My name is Rich Baker, and this is Living the Dream. Got it. You're going to be on Broadway. You start rehearsal on Tuesday. I speak with the rare few who get to work full-time in the world of arts and entertainment. I would, like, try and think of stuff I could go to the doctor for. <laughs> <laughs> Big thank you to Phil Ranta, CEO of the Comedy Podcast Network. I couldn't be a fairy any longer. I had to be a pumpkin, and I didn't want to be a pumpkin, so uh-huh. I was just... The artwork's by Tom Burns. The original music is by Diana Lawrence. Screw you! I'm open to God! Like, I'm... <laughs> Email me your questions, your suggestions, anything you want. Complain, I don't care. Living the dream podcast at gmail.com. It was it was like one of the happiest. Oh my god, I'm tearing up. It was like one of the happiest moments ever. Help me out. Rate the show in iTunes. Give me a review in iTunes. Become a fan of Facebook.com slash Living the Dream Podcast. I really appreciate it. That's really cool. I'm like, you know what? That is really cool. <laughs> <laughs> You're totally right. This is episode number 49, Broadway performer Braxton Brooks. Living the Dream, my name is Rich. I am here with professional singer Braxton Brooks. Uh, thank you very much for coming on the show. It's, uh, it's nice to have you. Uh, you sing professionally. That's uh, that's pretty hard to do, right? Pretty uh, hard to get a job singing professionally or just to sing generally? I mean, well, some, <laughs> some people can't sing. Like, it's genetic. You know, like, they, they can't even help it. But, so, like, you're True. blessed with that. So, so Some people do not have a natural sense of, of pitch or rhythm. It's, it's true. That's very difficult to to teach. But then, but on top of that, like I feel like there are a lot of people that can sing. Like you know, a housewife could sing, or an accountant could sing, or whatever. But like you, you've parlayed that into your like bills. I know it's pretty. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Do you ever I, like, I gotta look say. back and go, I did that. I'm doing it. I'm. I'm. <laughs> look at look at me. No. I, I I do. I do. But it's usually when I mention something to someone else, and they're like. That's really cool. I'm like, you know what? That is really cool. <laughs> <laughs> You're totally right. I'm awesome. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I actually. Sometimes it's okay to be reminded that you're awesome. I, I actually started out as a dancer, uh, as a classically trained uh, in ballet and, and modern dance. And, but I could always, you know, hold a tune. And so when I moved to New York, I ended up getting a lot of jobs in musicals because I had a lot of dance training, but I was one of the few dancers who could actually sing yeah. uh, the really? ensemble stuff. Yeah. Okay. A lot uh, of dancers don't, aren't necessarily singers. Well, people, a lot of people who are gearing uh, their careers towards musical theater mm. do both, but I was, I was training in concert dance. So like uh, I spent a lot of my summers at Dance Theater of Harlem and Alvin Ailey, um, so, yeah, very strictly dance-oriented kind of training path, and those schools are not really teaching you how to how to sing or act or any of those. They're you know, that's point your foot, put your leg up in the air, turn around a few times. Uh, so when you get into shows like uh, Color Purple or Lion King that have these choreographers who are concert core dance choreographers, they want dancers who basically are concert dancers, but then it gets tricky because those people often aren't able to sing at the level that a, a Broadway music uh, director wants them to. Do you have any idea, the estimate of, like, how many people are, can cross over and do what you do as far as dance classically and sing at the professional level? Like, any, I have any idea? no idea. <laughs> I, quite honestly, I don't. That's okay. No, no idea, but, but for the most part... Uh, I don't know that many people who've done both simultaneously. I mean, I didn't do both simultaneously. I started moving more into musical theater and then taking more voice lessons and acting classes. 
but I wasn't also trying to have a concert dance career because it is so rigorous. You really can't do much else besides take class, rehearse, uh, and keep your body in, you know, good condition. There, there's not a whole lot of time for, for other things. And I think that's why people don't end up kind of doing both. You know, you don't decide, oh, I want to be, you know, an Olympic swimmer, swimmer uh, and an astrophysicist. Um, <laughs> they're two very time-consuming professions. Uh, you really don't have much There's time for... There's some, like, 10-year-old kid right now listening <laughs> to this podcast that just went, Braxton Brooks, I accept your challenge, and they are going to be the best swimming astrophysicist. You know what? Back in time, it, was, it would probably be me, because I was going to be an actress and a lawyer and a marine biologist. Okay. All and right. and a teacher. Okay, <laughs> okay. You, you need to let some professions go for some other people. You're being a little I, selfish at I, this I, point. I, I let them go. But if I still wanted to, I would will myself to be the best uh, lawmaking marine biologist, actress, dancer, teacher there ever was. Uh, but my interests sort of narrowed. Fair. <laughs> Looking back, do you... Uh, do you miss the classical dancing in lieu of the singing that you now do? I I do miss the agility I had. Like, I'll go and see a, a dance concert or a ballet uh, piece, and I'll go, wow, my legs used to do that, and it was fantastic. Um, and, it, and it's a wonderful feeling. I still love dancing. You know, I still go out and dance all night, and and a lot of times people... They like their singers to do more than walk across the stage, and so... Yeah, I about to say, I mean, in the shows I've seen, you do dance. It's not like you don't dance. Right. You just it, don't necessarily do the dancing. Right, I'm not doing... Too. I'm not dancing classical ballet. Yeah. There are times that I do miss it, um, but I don't miss it enough to try and still do it. Let's put it that way. Well, it's... it's I mean, and I've talked to other dancers and singers before. There's a longer shelf life for singers than dancers. Because, I mean... There is. As we... It's, I mean, not to, to be rude to anyone, but as a dancer, you can only put your body through that much stress for so long. Yeah. What it came down to for me was that I've always had an interest in a lot of different things. So that's why I started moving towards musical theater. Like, I love singing. I love acting. I love dancing. I'm like, well, I want to do something where I can incorporate all of them together. Yeah. Um, and for a concert dance, you, you got to be all in if you're really going to be successful. Like the mafia. With it. Exactly. Right. It's pretty much the same thing. So ballerinas uh, <laughs> are like Tony Soprano is what you're saying. Exactly. Okay. I, yeah. Exactly. You Someone are had to say very it. I'm glad you said it. <laughs> acute observer, sir. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah, you, you have to be <laughs> kind of all in to make it work and I know people who have danced well into their you know 40s at you know Renee Robinson Ailey company I'm not even gonna venture to guess how old she is but she's been with a company I want to say 25 30 years uh, but it's a lot of discipline and it gets it does get harder yeah you know uh, there are certain things your body stops wanting to do after <laughs> a certain age you know hey, tell me about it See? <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure every time you go to put your leg in arabesque, your body says, no, Rich. Oh, boy, no, it Rich, hurts. Don't do that. And the thing is, no one's even watching. I'm just doing it to prove I can do it. Uh, all right. We've, we've gotten delightfully off track, which I love. Uh, the, uh, so let's, let's go back to a little bit. Uh, at what point in young Braxton Brooks' life did you say, dancer? Oh, Oh, 
she's just been dancing around. I can't remember of a, a specific point. Uh, I think it's, I went to a summer camp. There was a drama summer camp where you make these 20 minute versions of musicals and every group, you know, does their thing. And I just was always coordinated. You know, they would teach some steps and some kids would still be picking them up and I could just always pick them up very quickly. Yeah. Um, I was just always coordinated. And at some point, you know, I asked my parents to put me in, oh, I should say, oh, back into dance class because they put me in dance classes, I think, when I was maybe four or five. But I didn't like the teachers. Okay. I didn't. All they right. sucked. And they broke us up by age groups. Oh, no. I know. So... <laughs> We were used to be all together, and we would take turns. Like, some of the kids, we'd have costumes, and you'd do this thing at the end, and some of the kids would be ghosts, pumpkins, or fairies. Right. And then at some point, the way they broke us up, I couldn't be a fairy any, any longer. I had to be a pumpkin. And I didn't want to be a pumpkin, so uh-huh. I was just done. Oh, um, hell no. <laughs> no, I was like, I will not be... Because the pumpkins, all they did was roll around the floor. And you are beyond... You Even know, at four, you were beyond that. Yeah, I was, I was like, this is too postmodern for me. I don't want to just roll around the floor. I want to, like, make, you know, shapes and forms. Um, but then I would say later, maybe like seven or eight, I saw the movie Tap. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I was like, oh, I want to take Tap. And I just went around the house making noises on the floor. And finally, my parents were just like, okay, fine, we'll put you back in class. But if you quit again, we don't want to hear anything about it. And I didn't quit. Stuck with it and just, you know, started with tap, jazz, modern ballet, and just started adding more things. And then when I went to high school, I thought I would go into the theater department there. And someone said to me, you know, that's fantastic that you have the option to go into theater or into dance. But really, I recommend that you go into the dance program while while you're young, while your body can pick the things up, so that if you do want to pursue it professionally, you have that option. You know, you can gain life experience and become a fantastic actor. Yeah. Uh, and still pick up that training. You're not going to go at 25 and decide I want to become a ballerina. Sure. Just yeah. really doesn't work Didn't that work way. Didn't work for me. I'm sorry. Are nah, you still sad about right. it? Well, that's where the arabesque incident happened. So. <laughs> Uh, that's a real. I mean, that's awesome that you had someone who was able to give you that foresight at such a young age. Because I yeah. feel like a lot of young people, no matter what their discipline is, if they'd started younger, probably would have helped them out in their career. But mm-hmm. they didn't. were not wise at sixteen or whatever. I mean, honest, logistically, they made a very strong argument. Yeah. I, you know, I have been, and I have gone and gotten, um, you know, pursued more acting training now, and I think I'm better for. M- Personally, I am better for having gone through that training later mm-hmm. in life and not when I was 16. Uh, you know, it never helps to get on a stage, learn how to speak in front of people, memorize lines. But just in terms of an experiential point of view, I have a lot more to offer now than I did at, at 16. Uh, I would hope that's true of most people. <laughs> One would hope. Uh, I peaked at 16. It has been all downhill since there. Uh, but yeah, and, and dance wise picked up some technique that I, if I was now trying to learn some of these things, it just wouldn't happen. Yeah. So now uh, there's, 
I don't know that I want to skip ahead too much, but the the yeah. two, two things about you that I think are uh, maybe most uh, I don't want to say most interesting, but most like soundbitey interesting at least is that one you've performed on Broadway, yeah. Two, you went to Harvard. Uh, <laughs> two things that uh, most people don't get to do. <laughs> And uh, you no. know, but I mean that on all serious. Like you know, if if you're you know whatever you're, uh, if you want to be an astronaut, you want to go to the moon or whatever. It's right. like if you want to be go to the best college, at least in the United States, most people think that's Harvard. You got there, and I've I've met a couple people from Harvard in my life. But I don't think I've ever met anyone who was in the arts at Harvard. Do they have a big arts thing there? Harvard has a big arts community, but not. Um a big arts uh, curriculum. Let's put it that way. Okay. Like, yeah, there are classes that you can take. There's an affiliation with uh, American Repertory Theater uh, in Cambridge, which is awesome, but the classes are limited. There's maybe, maybe four or five, let me rephrase, when I was there. Let me not speak for what's there now because I haven't actually been on campus for a few years. When I was there, there was maybe three or four classes a semester that you could take in the dramatic arts. Um, it's like classic acting, directing, beginning, intermediate, advanced. Uh-huh. And they were limited to about maybe 12 or 13 people. So that's that's not a lot compared to some place that's, you know, conservatory, where sure. your whole curriculum is going to be arts classes. Uh, you can't, there aren't many studio majors. There's a music theory major. Uh but there are no real performance majors. However, there are many talented and gifted artists there and lots of students putting up their own productions, guest directors coming in, a billion and one different orchestras, bands, acapella groups, theater groups. So it's a very active artistic community. It just, at this point, Harvard is still accepting the arts as an academic discipline. Okay. couple things one when uh like why did you choose harvard in the first place (laughs) uh i never really set out to go to harvard specifically uh again like as a dancer that that would that's not tops on most people's lists well i went to a performing arts high school Uh uh and decided that i was going to start moving into musical theater at that point and applied for all these musical theater schools, and my English teacher suggested that I apply for Harvard, um, to which I said, whatever, I'm not going to get into Harvard. And then he was like, yeah, trust me, like, you'll you'll get in. Like, you have scores, you have the grades, um, you'll interview. Like, I don't have a doubt in my mind. I was like, you know, it's on the common application. Fine. If you, if you don't know what the common application is, it's uh, this one form that a few schools use. So instead of basically answering the same 10 questions, but in different ways for different schools, they make it easy for you. You just photocopy it and you can send it to a few different schools. That is very smart. It's very smart. If that was around when I was in high school, I did not know about it. Um, I only know because I think, I applied to Oberlin and Syracuse, and I think they were both on the common application, but Harvard was also on the common. So I said, okay, fine. I will copy it, send it off. I knew I was going to college because where and when I grew up, it was basically presented to me, if you don't go to college, you are going to 
have a miserable life and be addicted to drugs and never leave D.C. <laughs> so I knew I was going to college because I did not want to have a miserable life, mm, become addicted decision. Tough decision. to drugs, <laughs> and never leave Washington, D.C. <laughs> I've never even done drugs. Why is this going to happen? <gasps> because you didn't go to college. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> that is logical. <laughs> uh, so... <laughs> So I mean, off topic. Yeah. I'm, gonna bring, I'm gonna bring it back. I'm gonna bring do it, it back. Let's do it. Uh, so, I went ahead, xeroxed it, sent it off to Harvard. Uh, had an interview with an alumni, uh, an alumni, alum, alum, alum. I'm real tired. You went to hey. Harvard. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I'm human. I'm doing this so you don't feel intimidated, Rich. Right, God, well, that's, <laughs> nothing will make me feel unintimidated. So, but thank you for trying. <laughs> No, I had I had an interview with an alum, uh, and was accepted, and I was still skeptical because I think like a lot of people, I expected it to be very conservative, white male, old school, not just not the place for me. I didn't think it was going to be very artistic or creative. Uh, and the same teacher urged me to go and visit, and I visited some other schools, and I went to Cambridge. And absolutely, like, fell in love with it, like, within a matter of, of hours. And it was like, okay, like, this is this is not the place I was expecting it to be, but I think this is the place that I'm going to thrive. And it was a hard decision because they didn't have, I was not going to get a theater degree. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the day, but there seemed to be enough activity. And I knew that I would keep up with my um, artistic education. Like, I wasn't going to stop performing just because I wasn't getting a major in that. But having been in a conservatory program throughout high school, I was skeptical that I would keep up with my my academic education mm. if I went to a conservatory. Uh, so yeah, so at the end of the day, I decided, you know, I want to go. I want to say I went to Harvard. Like it's it's pretty awesome, and I'm sure I'm gonna learn some stuff here. Uh, and I'll take my voice lessons and my dance classes and stuff on my own. So that's what I did. There you go. Uh, what did you end up majoring in? I ended up majoring in performance studies. Oh. What that means, it's all the academic things you can do with performance. So I watched a lot of things and analyzed them. I wrote lots of papers uh, about things um, and how they fit into society and how performances, you know, kind of reflect a certain period of time or what's going on in a certain culture. And at one point, I thought it might go into academia mm. uh, and become a professor and write about things. And, you know, at the end of the four years, this is, this is great. I'm really good at analyzing and writing about <laughs> things. And I'm sure I will have a chance to do that again. But I, I really prefer doing. So despite going to the number one school in the country, you still managed to get a <laughs> useless degree like the rest of us. <gasps> oh, no. Performance studies is awesome. Because no one knows what it is, except for other people in performance studies. I guess that's a good thing. So you can always just kind of, you know, make it sound a little bit more like whatever it is you're applying for. <laughs> so it teaches you Whatever's to be a liar. Pertinent. Excellent. I prefer to say flexible. Yeah, well, and you're a dancer, so that <laughs> works out perfectly. Gives you a lot of leniency and, you know. Uh, and how you see performance and how you describe performance and, and how you discuss things. I mean, pretty much I think most liberal arts, uh, most people getting any sort of liberal arts degree, you're kind of learning how to do the same things yeah. in terms of examining things, analyzing and breaking them down, pulling them apart. 
it's just what you choose to analyze. Sure. You know, whether it's history, English, performance studies. Whether it's a really loud engine on a boat that's exactly. happening right now because we're leaving Bermuda. It's whatever. Whatever you want to choose. Uh, okay, so you graduate Harvard and... And were were you definitely still even though you had a, had the major in in the analyzation stuff like thinking I want to be a professional performer at that yes point. how does one graduate from college and then do that what what was the process I went to New York right after graduation I had spent times in, uh, in New York in high school and also in college doing. Different uh, like summer dance programs, hmm. and I have family in New Jersey, so New York wasn't an unfamiliar city for me, and I knew that I loved New York. And honestly, when you're just starting out, I me mean, most people you're either gonna flock to New York or LA. Yeah, you know, it's it's, it's where most of the work uh, gets made. Not all, but you know, it's where a lot of auditions are, and if you are just starting out and you're unrepresented, New York seemed like the better option for me because okay. I can go to an open call audition. And that's where most of the theater is, uh, as opposed to L.A. I was just told, I didn't know firsthand, but most people were like, yeah, it's mostly closed doors. You're going to need an agent. You can't just walk up to a studio and say, hey, I'm here to audition. New York, I can go, oh, look at this paper. There's a Lion King audition. I'm going to take my dance bag and sit around and wait. But I will probably get seen. So I went to New York, and most of my friends were iBanking or consulting, and I did not know what I was doing because I didn't have anyone really that was out there doing it with me. So it, it took a while for me to figure things out and how things worked in New York as someone trying to get into the business there. What was your first gig? My first gig, uh, a couple months after I moved, I got a job working with the paper bag players, which is New York's, is the U.S., I think, I'm going to say New York's oldest children's theater. Oh, okay. Uh, yes. And I was one of a four-person ensemble, and we performed in schools at about 10 a.m. several times a week. This is the first time I'd done a show, I want to say more than, like, four or five times, you know, in college, you're like, oh, we're doing, we're going to rehearse for the show for three months. And then you do it like four times yeah. and the show's over. Uh, and this, you know, I was doing, I did something for a, uh, nine months for an entire school year and it was not checkoff, but you know what? One way to tell if you're an engaging performer is to try and perform for like 300 to a thousand children at 9.30 a.m. You're not awake. You don't really want to be awake. They have the attention span of like a flea. Um, and they're not afraid to make noise if you're boring. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you have to keep it fresh because you're doing it for nine months. So it's actually a really good boot camp for me, keeping something fresh and still being able to go out and keep something fun and exciting and to really get feedback because kids don't care about being polite. Nah. <laughs> at all. Nah, not they're when they're in awesome school that and forced. No, nope. Uh, so that was my that was my first job. Wow. And so, I mean, like, you said you got that a couple months after moving there, right? Yes. And that was full time? Like that was everything you oh, needed? It was, oh, it was great. I got spoiled. It was, it was full time. 
benefits. Whoa. Yeah, I right? Uh, I know. Girl. It was good, too. Yeah. I would, like, try and think of stuff I could go to the doctor for. <laughs> <I was laughs> like, Oxford, this is great. Oh, my foot feels a little funny. Yeah. I don't know. Look at this mole. <laughs> it's fine. Okay, cool. Um, no, it was, it was, it was nice. Uh, and I was not union at that point, but the other woman who was in the ensemble was uh-huh. so I had a chance to ask her a bunch of questions and just kind of see how people who, who were older than myself were doing things in New York yeah that was cool and then a few months after that ended it was a few months after I think I might have been auditioning for uh, the European tour of Tommy while this was going on but I ended up leaving with the European tour of Tommy a few months after that job ended Wow. And that's really where I want to say was kind of my real introduction to New York theater. Because when I was doing the children's theater, I really couldn't audition that much in the day because all our shows were during the day. Yeah. Uh, And so I met a lot of my really close friends on that tour who were young people actively auditioning. I didn't know for like what the first nine months that I was there that I could even go to a union audition. I was like, oh, I'm non-union. I can't go to that. And I'm like... Yeah, you can. You have to wait around till all the union people go. But if there's time, you can get seen. Oh, oh really? Oh, okay. So, <laughs> yes, it's a pretty steep learning curve. But once you're actively out there and doing it, I think it's true with any profession. Once you start getting engaged with the people actually in your field, you just keep learning more and more things that you didn't know. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Um. So, yeah, between those two, the children's theater and then... Tommy European tour, some really good friends and learned a lot just actively about the business of being in show business in New York. Yeah. I mean, this is, uh, you know, obviously deserved because you're amazingly talented, but like it's blowing my mind to hear that you were in New York a couple months, got a full-time gig for nine months. Then just a few months later, got a full-time gig in Europe. You know, it's like there, I know people in New York. I've been very fortunate. Yeah. They go, like, years without getting work. And they're, like, we're, you know, doing bar jobs and stuff, you know, auditioning constantly. And, like, you you killed it. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, I, I, I will say I'm competitive with myself. Uh-huh. And I'm not saying that other people oh, aren't trying hard enough, but I'm very competitive with myself. And if something's not working or if I'm not getting the results I want, I'm very good about taking a step back and going, okay, why isn't this working? How You're do I need to analyze this? Yes. Oh, I so see. I'm telling you, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a great type personality type AB hybrid, you know? Right. <laughs> um, you know, on I think this... that means you're the universal donor. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. Yuck, yuck, uh, yuck, yuck. <laughs> at what point did uh, Broadway come a calling? Broadway came a calling. Uh, maybe in New York for maybe about maybe three, three or four years into my my New York experience, and oh, you know it's really funny is that I auditioned for the tour of the Color Purple was going out. Okay, and it was Color Purple was already running on Broadway. I think they were approaching their year mark. Uh, and 
I auditioned for the workshop. I, I don't know um, if you know how a lot of Broadway shows come into Probably fruition. Because it's different for every show. But a lot of them start off as small workshops. And Color Purple had had a workshop in Atlanta. And then it had another reincarnation later on. And so I think my first or second, my second year in New York, I'd auditioned for the Atlanta workshop. Mm. And, and didn't get that. Uh, as I shouldn't have. I was way too green didn't really know how to have a really successful singing audition because i get really nervous yeah at the time uh but they came back the show had opened on broadway it was totally different scripts different director like half the cast was almost entirely different and went in for the tour audition uh had some really nice feedback some callbacks and then before the final audition Got really, really sick. Oh, no. Like, almost had no voice. Couldn't reschedule the audition. I go in, and, you know, director's there, and the creative team, and Alice Walker. And I'm oh, like... Oh, wow. <gasps> right. And I, and I have no voice. And sadly, it was, it, was not, it was not a good audition. And the director looked at me, he, and he says, you know, are you sick? Are you sick? Like, your voice sounds different. I said, I am. I am ill. He goes, I can tell... I know this is not this is not you, you know yeah. who you are as a performer. Don't worry about it. So I said, okay, okay, great. Uh, go away. I don't hear anything. I'm like crushing, like oh, color purple. I really want to do color purple. It's the second time. It's like slipped through my hands, and I did so well. Like they were so excited about me before. I run into someone else uh, that I know, going to the library. Who comes out and just like, oh, how'd your audition go? Oh, it didn't go too well. I'm sick. You know, it's disappointing. And they go, oh, I got it. And I'm like, yay. Yeah, <laughs> like there's no good way for her to tell you that news. Oh, and then they proceed to go on. I'm like, oh, you know, I just I prayed on it. And, you know, I said, I'm ready for this. I'm, I'm open to this experience. And open to God and I'm ready for this and I'm thinking screw you I'm open to God like I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm ready for this experience I'm not close <laughs> to God it's you like know. when the football team wins and they say thank God it's like what are the other team like what, oh. do they say screw you like I don't understand no and of course this person's just they're just very excited and I know that but I'm just so bummed because you know I could see that they were disappointed because it was totally different. I tell the longest stories ever, Rich. Um, but That's it's okay. coming to a point. So, fast forward about a month later, I have a, I have a dream. And I'm thinking, and I just see myself performing in Color Purple. Uh-huh. And something tells me, I'm like, you know what? I think I need to just call my agent and just tell them, like, hey, if any more things open up, like, could you please make sure I get in there? Because I think I had a good rapport with the team, and they seemed excited. But, you know, I was sick for that last audition. Didn't even have to call. Next day, they call me with an audition appointment for an immediate replacement for the Broadway cast. Whoa. And they scheduled for 9 a.m., which most singers know. 9 a.m. is not really the happiest time to be singing, especially if you're uh, if you're belting or singing anything particularly high. Sure. So I say, oh, that's awesome. Would you ask if they could see me like later on in the session? Agent goes, okay, I'll give you a call back. Calls back. 
they can't see you any later than nine. Oh, because you're the only person they're seeing. Uh-oh. So I go, oh. So if I don't get this, <laughs> it just means I sucked. Because basically I'm my own competition at this thing. Well, and you said you're very competitive with yourself, so that was <laughs> perfectly. So and you're used like, to singing at 9 a.m. You sang for children for nine months at that oh. hour. Oh, Yes, but the, the the music was not as demanding. Fair. I'll put it that way. I mean, uh, it's never fun to sing at 9 a.m., but I mean, that's amazing <laughs> that they called you in. So I was really We're yeah, looking for flattered. real Braxton Brooks type. Where can um, you find me one? <laughs> so I went in and sang. I was ready, and I was on my way to another audition, and my agent called me up, and they're like, you got it. You're going to be on Broadway. You start rehearsal on Tuesday. And I tracked my friend down from around the corner. She <laughs> just left the audition. I was like, Kia, you got to come back here. Why? Because I need someone to jump up and down with. She was like, okay, okay. Rush back around the corner. And we're jumping up and down in the middle of the street like maniacs. And someone's like, and she's like, she just got a Broadway show. <laughs> and then people were like, yeah, that's awesome. It was fantastic. It was it was, it was like one of the happiest, oh my God, I'm tearing up. It was like one of the happiest moments ever because you know when you have an idea of what you want to happen um, and you think it's gonna happen, but it always seems like that's something that's distant and when all of a sudden you audition on like a Thursday, it's like, hi, your dream's here and I'm gonna be happening in like three days. It just kind of knocks you off your feet and takes you by surprise Yeah. Um, in a really, and fantastic way. Wow. So that is the story. <laughs> I just imagine in the musical that is your life that someone will write someday, at this point, you'll be like, I need someone to jump up and down with. And then someone will be like, she got Broadway. And then it'll be like, celebrate good time. And like, that's going to be like the big happy, like. Yeah. But I but I always think of how it like roundabout. I, and I ended up doing the tour later. But I'm kind of glad now that I was sick that day, so that my first experience was in the Broadway show. That's amazing. Yeah. And and it also made me really happy, because sometimes you do hear from people in the industry, like, oh, like, I'll remember, I'll keep you in mind. And and Gary did, you wow. know, keep yeah. me in mind. He knew I was sick. First spot that was open was on Broadway. They brought me in. They only brought me in. It was incredibly flattering, and... And I, I'm thankful. I'm so very thankful. He um, he said what he meant, and he was genuine about it. Uh, and it was like one of the one of the proudest moments in my life. That's awesome. I'm sincerely apologizing to any listeners that the sound quality is terrible because the ship is making the worst <laughs> on noises a boat. right now. <laughs> uh, but that kind of segues into so, and I, and I don't mean to, to say this in any yeah. way that sounds derogatory, but. You were on Broadway. That seems like the pinnacle of what any musical uh, performer would do. And I, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I, it, I was under the impression that doing a cruise ship was kind of lesser. And here you are on a cruise ship, and I'm like, but aren't you better than this? <laughs> like, and I don't mean to. Uh, uh, that's got to be a better way to phrase it. But you know no, what I'm saying? No, no, I. You're not the first person to ask me that. I think it. it it's funny because I feel like the um, my cast members who are from, you know, London and Ireland, it, there's not the same stigma in those countries uh, about working on a cruise ship as there is here in the U.S. I was actually offered uh, a ship a few years ago, but ended up not doing it because I went to uh, do another production uh, at the Kennedy Center 
like I said, uh, what I've been doing so far, I've been doing a lot of ensemble stuff and featured stuff and understudying um, a lot of the principal singers. And when this past year, this past season, it's been it's been slow or slower in New York for the past few years than it was when I first moved. You have shows that uh, seem to be doing reasonably well, then end up closing in a month or two or shows closing like a week. And I just got to a point where I'm starting to want to do more, not starting to, I have been wanting to, uh, to be a principal singer for quite some time and trying to make that transition from singing features and ensembles and understudying people to really being comfortable as a principal singer. And can't really do that, one, when there are less auditions in the yeah. city and two when even if you do get something it might be closing in three weeks <laughs> so for me coming on the ship one I know that Norwegian has a good reputation I have several friends who've been working for the company uh, I knew this one ship in particular was gonna do shout which is a, a musical yeah a full musical uh, and not so much of a review which I thought would be wonderful to do uh so for me it was one knowing that i'm going to be working for a few months consistently and two just having the opportunity to be a principal singer for a few months and really just hone my skills nice uh so yeah i mean for me it was perfect it's like oh i'm gonna be doing three different shows i'll get to be a principal for at least six months consecutively work on things have a chance to do the cabarets on board and have some free time to work on my own my own stuff uh it's, it's difficult to do that in new york when or anywhere quite honestly when you're focusing so hard on auditioning for the next thing and auditioning and auditioning and auditioning which is a skill a great skill to have but i didn't want to be auditioning i wanted to be working i wanted to be performing and i wanted to be growing as a singer and this gave me the opportunity to do that uh, if we could pause just for a second, this Absolutely. is ridiculous. All right, the uh, ship has stopped making a huge amount of noise <laughs> for about hopefully long enough. I just, I, this interview is going great. I just wanted two more quick questions. One, if you had to give it up today and you couldn't be a singer, actor, dancer, is there a civilian job that you could do? A civilian job? Yeah. What are those? It's a non-singing, non-acting, non-dancing. Talk not. show host, does that count? That would definitely be a... <laughs> that would not work <laughs> in this scenario. What if it was on public access television? That wouldn't pay you. <laughs> if you had to pay the bills without the creative. Oh my gosh, would there be some... You know, I should have an answer for this. But seriously, every time someone's like, what's your backup? I never really had a good one. Fair. Um, and I guess being a professor at Harvard is also not a civilian I job. Being a teacher, that's working in education. You're not working in the arts at that point. That's true. I get, well, see, really, I'd be like, oh, I'll be a director? <laughs> <laughs> I guess the answer is no. There is not a really good one that I can think of. Well, that is absolutely fair. Uh and what is next for you? What's what's on the horizon? I actually like the cruise ship thing. 
Uh, so next on the horizon, I'm going to have about 10 days off, go chill out with my friends and family, and I'm going into rehearsal for another ship, uh, and I'll be there for another contract. going to save up some money, work on uh, the show that I'm writing right now, and yeah. Very cool. And then I'll be and then I'll be off the boat. I think after this it'll be never say never, but it'll be a while before I do another ship. Oh, I love it. It's very hard to to maintain any life that's going on not on the ship. Amen. You know? Yeah. So cool. Well, uh, I I expect we will see big things from you, and I'm still convinced that with your name that you're actually a superhero. Because <laughs> don't Rax- tell anyone. Braxton Brooks. I mean. <laughs> You, you couldn't have written a better name than that for a character. You're like Spider Woman or something. I don't know. I don't know what you are, but you're some kind of superhero. Oh, yes. Well, anyway, that uh, would be my civilian job. To be a superhero. It is not in the arts. <laughs> you got me. I got no comeback for that. Braxton Brooks, thank you so much for being oh, on the show. Thanks for having me. He's living the dream. Big thank you to Phil Ranta, CEO of Comedy Podcast Network. The artwork's by Tom Burns. The music is by Diana Lawrence. Email me, livingthedreampodcast at gmail.com. Fan page is facebook.com slash livingthedreampodcast. Take a minute to rate the show on iTunes. Leave a comment. Really helps me out a lot. Get out awareness of the show. Next week, I speak with longtime improviser and actress Megan Hovde. My name is Rich Baker, and this is Living the Dream. <laughs>